Good morning. I want to welcome you. I want to welcome everybody online. And uh, I want to land this plane. We've been doing this series for a long time. I could do it for an entire year, no doubt about it. We're talking about the nature of God. Anybody ever, someone ask you a loaded question? You're like, ooh, that's, there's a lot in that. We have that phrase, loaded question. How about loaded words? That's a loaded word. Think about what could be more loaded than the word God. It, it, the word God could have a million different meanings, concepts, ideas. So what comes into your head when we say God? Um, and I, I started this. I'm going to make it personal as we, as we finish it. I started it for a generation, a generation that uh, has become a new, new category in America. They call themselves nuns, and they're not affiliated, and they're not in a particular church, they're not in a particular denomination, um, and, and you've seen this, and we've watched it through, through history. I was at my grandma's yesterday, you know, she's 96. And, and, and religion is just down in her DNA. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Every Sunday. And my grandpa was there, rain or shine. And my grandma has the Bible on the, um, the uh, well, the thing next to the Davenport, as they say. <laughs> and it's there, and it's well-worn, you know. And every Sunday. And grandpa had the New Testament that he put in his pocket, um, shirt pocket here every Sunday. God's honest truth, I don't think he ever cracked it besides that. He was the hardest working, most Jesus-like person I know, but uh, I don't think he cracked it. But, and he said, a, he said a memorized prayer every meal for grand. That was, right? Um, neither one of my parents went to church. I, went, I grew up without going to church. Never Never mandated. When I'd visit my dad certain weekends, um, I would go to my grandma's church with her. Um, I mean, this is literally what's, what's happening. There's just, it's just a trend. And as they say, the trend can be our friend. We're standing at a moment in history. Like Moses, who stood on the mountaintop and got to look into the promised land. Because they've just said, no, thank you. And unfortunately, this is what's... I wish, we could, I wish I got through and I don't think I did. I think all I did is made a bunch of believers mad. But listen carefully. What a generation is rejecting they don't need to reject. I dare say they're rejecting the wrong understanding of God. And all we could do was pass on what we knew and what we heard and the best we could. Who, who's made a mistake or two raising the kiddos, right? All we can do is what we know. But the, the Sam Harris's, the, you know, the, the leading atheists, uh, Christopher Hitchens, all... They did us a solid favor. 
by pointing to the bathwater surrounding our faith. Turns out, if you leave this stuff long enough, it's disgusting. And there's an old, old saying that I started this series with, don't throw the baby out with the... You always got to throw the bath water out. Every night after Charlie's bath, did you, did, you empty the, did you empty it? Did you empty it? Did you get rid of it? It's gross. It's disgusting. Yes, yes, dear. Yes, yes. It, it's, it's gone. The bath water is gone. Did you save the baby? In other words, it's never asked. You don't even ask those questions, of course. Of course we're smart enough to separate the two. Listen, of course we're smart enough to separate the two. But we've taken this issue with Christianity and images of God and concepts of God and things that people have heard, which are bathwater, 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 right? And we told the generation, you take the whole thing. You can't question any part of Christianity. You can't question any part of the church. You can't question any part of it. And, th and they said, well, I'll take my chances. I'll take my chances. I can get married at the golf course. I'm not too far from home here, people, because I do the weddings. This is exactly what's happened. And what if, what if we took on a deep sense of humility and openness about the way we've understood God? And what if we realized that questioning it Challenging it, opening ourselves to it, was the tradition of Jesus. Familiar with him? Vaguely? Heard of him? Is that what I see people is they always want to stick a bumper sticker on their car. They always want to put a fish up there. And they don't even want to know what Jesus said or taught or did. The reality. Jesus questioned to the core his faith. His tradition happened to be Jewish. Never left it, never left it, but challenged it to the core so they could get it right. Always, always, you found him cozying with the outsiders, the outsiders getting it because they got it that it was here. And the insiders, the elite, the rule makers, the kings and princes, and the priests and pontiffs, head to head. Am I right? Am I close? So today, if Jesus shows up to Orchard Grove, now think about it, any church, you say, if Jesus was alive today, first let's start here, would he come to church? Well, of course, because he's a Christian. No. Would he like it? I had one guy saying this the other day. I thought it was great. Um, he said, you know, if Jesus was alive today, you'd have to explain the whole church thing to him. <laughs> like, well, this is an usher. Well, what's he doing? You know. 
You have to explain the whole thing. What's a worship team? The whole thing is a whole new concept. But more importantly than that, if he came and you could take him to dinner after, take him to breakfast, what'd you think? I mean, I know that's what you guys do at breakfast afterwards anyway. What did you think? I, I, I just, I can't think that, you know, over reading and reading and reading in the Gospels that Jesus would come and he had no problem. By the way, he's not as soft as he's always made out to be. I think he had his, I think he had his tenderness, no doubt about it. But he had no problem saying a few tough things to some people. Huh? You don't think so? Something about kicking over tables in the temple and upsetting a few people. I mean, you don't get crucified for just laying low. But he was doing it not, not to be obstinate, not to be cute, not, not to be arrogant, not to be right. He was doing it for what? The outside, the outcast, the less than, the sinners. I was noticing, you ever watch movies and they, 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 they portray um, like a confessional booth? You know, like the priest in there and the person, like, you know, what? Catherine Zeta-Jones, right, with Antonio Banderas, remember? Zorro? No? Oh, huh? And he's in there, he got stuffed in there because he's hiding from the bad guys and she's confessing and she said, oh, I broke the fourth, and he gets the commandments confused. It's quite good. Um, but here's the thing I've, I've realized. No one ever confesses the sin of idolatry. I, I was trying to think, like, you know, like stealing or murdering or something, you know, juicy but idolatry. Why is that never? Because I think we assume it's something that we never do. We assume we have the right mental view of God. And no one's ever going to have the perfect understanding. I think it's 1 John 4 that says, no one has seen God, right? 1 John 4, 12. And it says, no one's going to be able to nail God down and to pin God down. It says, but, this is huge, if we, say it together, what? Love one another. God lives where? In us. God lives where? So here's the series. God for us, God with us, God in us. And everybody that needed a Bible verse, I found one. In fact, I can give you about 30 if you need them. Right? Colossians 1.27, right? Galatians 1.16, Galatians 2.22. Do I... Second, right? Corinthians 13.5. I mean, I can do. You trust me? This this was a concept of God, a, a way of understanding that I think we know and we can answer, yes, I've heard that, that I'm the temple of the Holy Spirit and that God lives in. But I do think is very underappreciated. 
Because for all of our Sunday school time, God has been... And if you're really good at praying or you have an aunt that can really pray, you can kind of get radio contact. But with us, for us, and dare we say, in us? Friends, that's game-changing stuff. And the tradition of Jesus was to change the game. Where they were arguing about where God was and Jesus blows it wide open and says, John chapter 4, God is spirit. He's not on this mountain or that mountain. Or you could say he's on both mountains, but he's also in the valley in between them. And Paul saying God doesn't live in temples built by human hands, but in him we live and move and have our existence. I sent you an email this week, and I titled it, It's Exciting to be Ignorant. Isn't it great to be ignorant? Let's just be honest. Who's, who's ignorant? Everybody that doesn't have your hand up, we know you're twice as much. In other words, what do we know? What do we learn, truthfully? When you start learning, you realize how little that you, so little that you know. I mean, now the scientists are talking about how few species we know. And we think, I think we've reached them all. I think we've found them all. And everybody's like, oh no, we haven't even got close. Talk about outer space. We're like, we're not even close. We don't even begin to scratch the surface of what we know. And the more you discover, the more you realize you don't know. And so you take a position, instead of certainty, you take a position of humility. But it can be so exciting Instead of making idols and limiting God to your little mental framework or your little piece of art, isn't it, let's be honest, isn't it kind of cool to feel like you know stuff, though? Man, I know this, and I'm going to go into this conversation, or I'm going to go into this meeting, and I'm going to let people know what I know. And it's so different if you come in there not to know, but to learn. Somebody said it this way, and I, the, the, the mental image stuck with me, so I, I couldn't let go of it. He said, the way we're trying to know God is like playing a violin with a chainsaw. Some tools aren't meant for certain things. Chainsaws are fabulous pieces of equipment if you're trying to cut down a tree, clear some brush. But if you're trying to play a violin, you need something a little more, shall we say, soft? And this is what we've been talking about. Look, in this series, is there's different ways to know God. And we don't always need the chainsaw. Sometimes it's this still thing. And we talked about we can know God in here. And over and over again, I've had conversations with people, and they say things like this. You know, it just didn't feel right. You ever had this? Well, who cares? You just get the truth, and you just get the facts, and that's the American answer, right? Western mindset. It's all facts and figures. And we've literally missed and thrown out a whole other way of knowing. Let me just say something. 
our education system, very much most of American Western theological system is based on this rational kind of factual knowing. And we've thrown out the soft bow, intuition, heart-based knowing. I can tell you this is true from firsthand experience. You know, Vicky plays with Charlie, and then they do like little things, and, and she'll say to me, Charlie understands this. And I'm like, she doesn't understand that. She goes, no, she knows what this letter is, or she knows what this little thing is. And she, somehow Vicky knows that she knows. And unless Charlie tells me she knows, I don't believe it. <laughs> is anybody with me? Like, there's certain things, like, guys don't get, or, and I'm, of course, being categorical, but when you're focused on one side of your brain, way of knowing and thinking, you just don't get it. How many moms know what I'm talking about? It's like, no, I, there, I knew it. it was here. I didn't need words. Describe eating an orange to somebody. I, it's like, it's like juicy, and then it's like this, it's just like this explosion of wonder and wonderful. You can't. You have to what? You have to taste it. And all I'm trying to say, no matter how many words we use, no matter how many metaphors we use, no matter, I mean, you have to taste God to know God. Experience. Which is why the craziest thing was said there. He goes, no one's seen God. He goes, but if you love. That seems weird. This would be like, no one's seen him, but if you go to a class, if you go to Sunday school, if you go to church, if you listen to your pastor preach on and on and on, if you read the Bible, he says, no, it, no one's seen God, but if you love, you're starting to taste God. Somehow, God is known here. And that's what Jesus was always about and always doing, teaching us that God was more. Now, the thing that I think gets missed a lot in this whole thing is if God dwells in us, we aren't paying enough attention to us. Just think. Whenever people want me to give, you know, say a prayer or get, get some advice, they, they, they want me to be a third-party mediator between them and God. These are very old concepts. Now, please, believe me, I'm happy to give you my advice. I'm just one other person. Happy to, love to, honored, honestly, honored to sit down and talk to any of you. You get what I'm saying? But the idea that you would need me as some sort of priest or go-between is absolutely not the case. Spirit to spirit. God speaks directly to your spirit. Now, can you get it a little muddy and cloudy? Who's ever got it cloudy? <laughs> of course we can. Cloudy with our own fascinations, cloudy with our own stupidity, with our own whatever, but you can't negate that still small voice that speaks on the inside. Chris, I just want to know what God wants me to do. I just try and sure, of course. But what do you feel in here? Now, discernment, yes. Because 
Who's ever gotten yourself in trouble by listening to yourself? <laughs> and actually, I'm going to do a series on this. Actually, I'm going to do a series on this. You can talk yourself into anything. <laughs> Who's ever talked yourself into some stupid stuff? <laughs> oh, I got a lot of hands there. Okay. I mean, we can talk ourselves into all kinds of stuff. So the, what, what's, the, what's the key piece? Discernment. But that doesn't mean that the right voice isn't in there. And so hearing from God, listening to God, knowing God, is sometimes you have to go within. Now, oh, let me ask the question a different way. Who's also heard this voice before? That still small voice that got you going the right direction in the right place. Not fooling yourself, but like, hmm, no, this is the way. When in the Old Testament, you know the story, the prophets, you know, going to see God and there's a, there's a whirlwind, there's an earthquake, there's all this stuff, there's all this loud stuff and he's not in this, he's not in the earthquake, he's not in the whirlwind and then there's a still, what? Small voice. And God was in that. And sometimes I think what happens is today the whirlwind wins. The earthquake wins. The loud, passionate voice wins. The thundering preacher wins. The threatening voices win. But it's that still, small voice that you've got to listen for. You've got to wait. As they say, wait for it. We get swept away with the whirlwind. One, one guy said this way, churches are a lot like swimming pools. All the noise comes from the shallow end. Just think about it for a minute. You don't always want the noise. You don't always want the loudest and the most argumentative. And sometimes you need to pay attention to the whisper. And the whisper comes very quietly, very subtly, down inside. Do you think this could be what this generation needs? I really do. I do a funeral tomorrow, you know, and yesterday I went to meet with the family, and as I often do, um, I want to get to know the person that we're eulogizing, right? Now, fortunately, I knew this person a little. Not, not closely, but I know her family very well. And um, here's the thing about that experience. I've done it, I don't know, I don't know how many times. I say with the family, help me to know them. Words never work. You get it? Tell me about them. And, and the first thing that always happens is everybody just goes, the, the, the first thing that happens is silence. Because you're, you're trying to collect your, well, how could I capsize this person in a word or a sentence? or a, And then eventually we get going. And you know what always happens? Always. This is what always happens. Stories. People start telling stories. You, well, you remember that one time when, and 
Yesterday, in fact, we woke up Charlie. We were, we were laughing so hard at the stories that we started telling him because how do you capture a person? You start telling what? Stories about them. And you know what the Scripture is? It's a bunch of stories. And, if, you know, if God wanted to be like an index, he would have, you know, come around during the Microsoft Windows era. You know what I mean? Column four, line B, it's one story after another, and it's like this, and God's like this, and God's like this, and this. If you want to know somebody, you have to, you have to reach for a different level. Do you, do you get what I'm saying? You don't get to know somebody by having an interview with them. Who's ever conducted interviews? Right? Who's ever given one? Oh, now, what do we all know? It's a bunch of wah, 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 right? We all know this. You're trying to hire somebody, wah, 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 wah. You really want to know them, you go on their social media page, you go hang out with their friends, not them, their friends. This is how you get to know somebody, because the, the things are open. You want to get to know me? You wouldn't call me pastor. I guarantee you, I'll take you golfing with my buddies from Flint this summer. Ain't no one calling me pastor. Nobody. If you say pastor, everybody's going, what? Now, they happen to know my profession, so they may actually know you're referring. But they would, they would think, in fact, if you say Chris, no one would even look at me. They neither call me Chris nor pastor. Not once you hear them say Chris. You say, well, that's your name. That's what they should call you. That's because you don't know me as well as what? They do. Are you getting what I'm saying? We've gotten lost on names and titles and dogmas and doctrines about God, and we miss perhaps the intimacy. He's for us, He's with us, and He's what? In us. If anything's been underplayed, I think, in the understanding modern day of Christian thought, is that God is in us, which means a couple of things as we wrap. That's gold in there, man. Don't let people tell you you're this and you're trash and you're this. And we all make mistakes and we all make sins. Huh? We all hurt ourselves and hurt our... Okay, but in there, one guy said, you're animated stardust. It's not just the scriptures that are teaching us that God is in there. The scientists are now saying the same things without using the G word. Honestly, they're saying the exact same thing. They just don't use the G word all the time because it's a loaded word. But now they're saying at the Big Bang, let me read one. At the Big Bang, you were there. Every bit of us was present at the Big Bang. Not figuratively, not metaphorically, but actually. You. That was the Big Bang and your mind getting blown at the same time. You have to think about that. And you got to chew on that one for a minute. But honestly, if you're listening carefully, you, and this is the whole problem, we've given, we've given this generation who are very scientific, they're very different. I'm, I'm going to cycle back because 
you know, after we left grandma's last night, we drive, I mean, you know, it's so, it's so classic, right? We drive down the street, up 52 from Adrian towards Tecumseh, halfway to Tecumseh, there's the family farm, and then about a quarter mile away, there's the one-room schoolhouse that my grandma went to until sixth grade. Is anybody with me? This is her little world. And she's talking about Charlie's been to Greece and right, and her grandkids have been all over God's planet Earth. Does anybody hear what I'm saying? The world's bigger. And and that's okay. And it's okay if the way you saw God work for you, but we're raising a new generation. They just know a lot more stuff. And it's okay if we can just understand how science weaves in beautifully. And listen, when you're doing science, you're honoring God. When you're doing science, you're studying God. When you're doing science, when you're applying science, you're worshiping God. How else could it be? It couldn't be any other way. My mom's an artist. If you go and take a look at her paintings on one of our walls or somewhere and you appreciate it, does that offensive? No, it's complimentary. Whatever we study and see of God's beautiful creation is not offensive, it's what? Complimentary. And if we could just be humble enough to open the door to this generation, and maybe that doesn't fit the way you understood God. Maybe some preacher told you somewhere that if someone ever talks about the Big Bang, they're from the devil. Okay. That's what some pastor told you somewhere. Okay. Maybe he's right, right? But if we could just open the door and say, you don't have to believe what I believed growing up. Please. For a generation. Because... Because at the core of it all, what Jesus taught, what Jesus taught was so simple and so agreeable to everyone. He taught the golden rule, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Now, if you took Jesus out as the quoter of that and you put philosopher so-and-so or scientist X. Who cares? Everybody knows that's the way to live. Treat other people the way you would like to be treated. Are we, are we close? This is the summary of what he taught. This is it. He put these laws above everything. And all we have to do is start saying the main thing again. This has always been about love. This was always about love. In 3.12, here, um, I talked about landing, and I mean, here we go. We're about to hit the runway. In 3.12, the church, the followers of Jesus, took a sense of power when Constantine, right, made Christianity legal, and then it went from legal to official. Uh, Do your history. This is when it all went downhill. This is when anybody that thought differently or believed differently was called on to be on the outside, unorthodox. 
And that was destructive and has been destructive ever since. That, it, that being apart was about believing all the right stuff instead of doing the right stuff. What Jesus said, they will know you are my disciples because you never miss church. They will know you are my followers because you can quote Scripture. No, I'm kidding. What he said was, they will know you are my disciples because you have a fish on your car. (laughs) What did he say? Because you love one another. That was always the litmus test. And somehow, when the church came into power, they wanted everybody in alignment. This belief system and get everybody in line. And now when people come in, they go, I don't don't know if I believe that. Well, then you're out. There's the door. The last thing I think this will do is it'll, it'll make us more inclusive and welcoming. Why? Because the reason we've drawn hard boundaries around God is the same reason we've drawn hard boundaries around the church. Because we believe that God had hard boundaries. Well, these people are out. We love them. We're taught to say we love them. I love my kid. I just make him eat outside. I hear this argument all the time. We love them, but they're going to have to eat outside. (laughs) And I think we're doing it because we believe that's what God thinks. So if anything this series could do is it could let us open our arms more to people. Honestly, whoever thought you were committing idolatry? None of us are. No no one's ever confessed it to me. 20 years I've been a pastor. Pastor, I just want you to know I've been committing idolatry. We just don't, either we don't think we would ever do it or we don't think it's important or whatever. But in some ways... The way we view God, the, 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 mental, the, the mental idol that we make in our heads shapes who we are, shapes what we do, shapes what, how we treat one another. So just, you know, if you made one, just get some heat out and melt that thing and allow God to be with us, for us, and what? In us.